0: Welcome. Great to have you in worship today. Wasn't that great? Lift up a song of praise to God. Don't you just love that? Want to get your faith going? We're going to open the word tonight, but before we do that, we'll have a prayer. Uh, I just wanted to encourage you that this is a new season. Fall season is coming, and uh, some things are going to be changing. And so uh, I I had a word from God uh, a few months back, I don't know when that was, maybe three, four months ago, that as a church we need to be nimble. <laughs> uh, we just need to be light-footed, right? Sometimes we just kind of plod along. We expect everything to stay the same, and and I felt like God said to me, uh, "This is a time to be nimble as a church." And I had this scripture: "He makes my feet like the feet of a deer." Have you ever seen a deer? <laughs> When they run, man, they just, their feet don't stick to the ground. They're just like they got springs or something, right? And I think as a church, we just need to be a little bit like that. We just need to be ready to follow the Lord where he's leading us. And then it says in Psalm uh, uh, 18, verse 33, it says, He enables me to stand on the heights. And, you know, as a church, if we're nimble, I just felt like the Lord said, he's going to take us to new heights. And so uh, in order to be nimble, though, we got to be listening, right? We've got to be listening to his voice. We've got to be listening to the announcements <laughs> because things are going to change. And, you know, you might show up at something and it ain't there. <laughs> or you might be wondering, why is everybody, you know, 50 yards in front of me? And uh, we don't want to leave you in the dust, right? We want to be nimble. We want to be able to shift and change. So I can ask you uh, just to be ready for change, okay? And uh, we'll try to be gracious, too, and do our best at communicating and leading and being loving and not doing anything really goofy or anything. We're trying our best uh, to follow God and get into his presence, so... Uh, man, what some great times we've had this week. I was thinking uh, we had baptisms on Sunday at the lake. Uh, and, man, Gateway Church is proud of you, socially distancing. And, and four people, man, getting into the lake to give, devote their lives to Jesus. Man, I'm just, like, so excited uh, to see people devoting their lives to Jesus. Even during COVID, Huh? People are responding to Jesus' voice, to Jesus' heart, and wanting to follow him. And man, that was really exciting. And then last night, we had a uh, prophetic uh, uh, prayer night, and we're able to prophesy and pray over about 40 people that came. There was teams praying, man, and words. It was, I was so excited to hear what God was saying to people. It was really exciting, really encouraging. People were being strengthened and built up. And so, man, I'm just excited. But we're going to jump into the Word, and uh, so let's pray. Lord, thank you for your Word. Thank you that you want to speak to us, Uh, not just some of us, but you want to speak to all of us. And in fact, your Word says that you give light to our feet, and, uh, and you light up our path. And we just say thank you for that. Thank you that your Word opens a way for us when it seems there's no way. And uh, thank you that you're way-making God. And Lord, we pray that this service would be a time where we'd encounter your voice again in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we're speaking again in the series Unmasked and the title of today's message is The Aroma of Sacrificial Love, which sounds kind of cool, but when you think about it, it doesn't really sound too cool uh, when you think about sacrificing. But I was uh, thinking about these masks, I don't know if you guys have got one, but I got I carry one in my pocket when I go to Costco or whatever. I I stick it on. Do you guys have one? Yeah. Do you have a mask? I'm not asking you to put it on. I'm just asking if you got one. I I don't care if you put it on or not. But but sometimes, you know, you put these on and you just feel silly. Uh, and and uh, but you know, the mask is not here for me. It's to protect other people, right? So if I've got something, I don't spread it to someone that might be more vulnerable to sickness, right? And uh, But one of my favorite things about this mask is when I can take it off. Huh? Are you with me on that? It's like, oh, fresh air, right? It's like, oh, I can breathe again. I don't have this crazy thing on my face and stuff pushing my nose in and all that. And it's just like, oh, there's just something. When you get into some air that you can breathe, maybe you've been in a, in a car and it's stuffy and you get out and you, oh, Carla and I were on holidays and we jumped out of the car a couple times in and you're in a forest and the pine scents and the beautiful smells of, the, of waterfalls and, man, you just think, oh, there's just something glorious about that. Did you know God loves good smells too? Very much like you. In fact, it brings him pleasure. Brings him pleasure just like it does you. Your life and your decisions also give off an aroma that can bring God pleasure. That can touch God's heart. It's when we become Christ-like, we become a breath of fresh air to God. And uh, also God uses that aroma to draw others to himself. You know, God loves a good aroma. I just love that about God. He's very much like us and he's created us in his image. You know, Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You know, Jesus didn't say, that I would lay down my life. He said, someone. You know why? Because he was leaving the door open for you, right? To be able to give off an aroma of Christ-like love. You know, the greatest act of love ever performed was performed by Jesus when he voluntarily offered up his life for the sins of you and I and all people in this world. Whether we like them or not, Jesus decided to love every person. And he sacrificially gave up his life for them. You know, it was God's will to crush him. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53. But Christ willingly gave up his life. You know, God was ready to crush him, but Jesus willingly gave up his life. Christ had a loving sacrifice that gave off a sweet aroma to God. (laughs) And that sacrifice still is giving off that aroma in your life and my life if you've accepted Christ. Brad read this scripture already today. Ephesians 5 verse 2. Live a life of love, Paul said, just as Christ loved. Right? He said, he said, Our example is Jesus. You do it just like him. He gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. A fragrant offering. He gave off an aroma to God and he asked us to do the same thing. You know, as Christ followers, we're called to live a life of sacrificial love. Not comfortable love, not loving when you feel like it, not loving who you like, but we're called to live a life of sacrificial love. This is what Paul described. When we love in a sacrificial way, in a way that costs us something, so for some of us, you know, one thing might cost us a lot, but for someone else, that very same thing might cost you nothing, right? Uh, Jesus told the story of a widow who gave a penny in her offering, and he said that woman gave everything she had. And for some of you to give a penny, it would be nothing. And f- well, it might be difficult because we don't have any pennies. But I think you understand what I'm saying. For some of us, uh, some things are a great cost, and for others, so we need to find things that are going to cost us something, and those things give off a pleasing aroma. C.S. Lewis was a, f- a famous writer, wrote the Screwtape Letters and the Chronicles of Narnia. And he lost his wife, you know, not many years after he got married. And uh, he experienced suffering. And he said this, when someone asked him, why do the righteous suffer? And he said, why not? They're the only ones who can take it. <laughs> so if you're a righteous person, it's true. That you have Jesus with you and you can endure suffering as a Christian. You know Carla and I have four children and that doesn't really give us much of a badge of honor. I know some of you have more children and I bless you. But we made choices when we had children to make room in our lives for them. It meant we couldn't go on some fancy holidays that other people were going on. It meant sometimes we ate spaghetti instead of steak. It meant we accepted gifts of hand-me-downs with a good big smile. Like We were truly excited when someone would give us a big bag, a garbage bag full of clothes. We were like, this is like Christmas, right? We were excited about that. And now our children have grown up and they're getting married and and uh, Jared, don't get any ideas, and and they're starting on their own lives and paths of following Jesus, and the sacrifices that we made to have children—they seem really distant. They seem far away. Like I, I can hardly remember them. Is that because they weren't real? No, they were very real. It's because now of the rewards of the aromas, right, that they're now giving off. And we just appreciate the sacrifices that we made. The sacrifices far outweigh. Man, when my grandson runs up to me and says, Papa, and hugs me, I don't think anything about changing my son's diaper, you know, when he was a little guy. it's, It's a distant memory, And if you have had the opportunity to love sacrificially, Jesus, if you haven't had that opportunity, Jesus is certainly going to make arrangements for you to be able to try it out. That's because Jesus has called us to demonstrate sacrificial love with our own lives. Now, I want to just talk to you about a demonstration of sacrificial love that we find in the Bible. There's a story in in the book of Acts, chapter sixteen, we're going to sp- spend a little bit of time there tonight. Uh, this takes place in the city of Philippi. Now, Paul and Silas are on a missionary journey. So here's two men; they're they're giving their lives to serve Jesus. They're on a missionary journey to to tell people about the good news of the gospel, and they're sharing hope with people. And it tells in the Bible of of how people were responding to the hope of the gospel, and uh, it was good things happening, but in the middle of all of the good, there was a young girl, the Bible says, who really would be a victim of human trafficking, which we would know these days, and she was uh, uh, tormented by a demon, and she was being used as a fortune teller to make money, and so she was following uh, Paul and Silas, and she was kind of, you know, in their, in their conversation, she kept kind of interrupting them, and, and going on, and finally one day, Paul lost his cool, and he said, In the name of Jesus, uh, demon, you know, you get out of here. He quit pesking us. And guess what? The demon took off, and the girl was healed. And, and, then, and then, you know, instead of everyone being excited and happy about these guys serving Jesus, loving Jesus, and coming to bring new hope to them, guess what happened? These people all turned on them. And they started to blame them of taking away their livelihood and bringing harm to them and so on. we're going to pick up in verse 22 of chapter 16. It says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Now, doesn't that sound like a lot of fun? Now, I just think about just getting stripped would be bad. Or getting beaten with wooden rods would be bad. But they got both. And then it says in verse 23, they were severely beaten. So they weren't just stripped and beaten, but they were stripped, beaten, and then severely beaten. So, I mean, this is getting really good, isn't it? Serving Jesus, loving Jesus, following Jesus, obeying Jesus, doing the things that you know please Jesus, wanting to bring an aroma to God's heart. And here they are, being beaten up. And then it says they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So here's Paul and Silas attempting to follow Jesus. They're giving a chance to demonstrate sacrificial love. You know what's going to happen when you're following Jesus? Jesus is going to give you an opportunity to demonstrate sacrificial love. They were personally attacked. They were treated with prejudice. They were abused for their faith. And we live in a day where people are treated with prejudice. We see it in the news pretty much every night, don't we? In fact, the hockey game tonight is canceled because people are taking a stand against people being mistreated. And that's good. That, that should happen. But here's a story in the Bible where we see people are also being mistreated for their love for Jesus. This is often our experience when it comes to love and sacrifice. When we step out for someone, it can often draw us into situations we don't want to be in that are uncomfortable. Maybe we feel like we don't deserve it. When you sacrifice for someone, it doesn't mean that everything's going to go okay. <laughs> Sometimes it's going to cost you something. And that Thing is going to be valuable to you because that's what a sacrifice is it's something that's valuable to you if it didn't cost you anything it wouldn't be a sacrifice it's going to be have to be something that is, is costly when we step out for someone it can often just draw us into situations and challenges that are going to cost us In Acts 16, verse 24, it says, The jailer put them into the inner dungeon, and he clamped their feet in stocks. This is the place in the jail of hopelessness. Now, if you imagine, can you imagine if you were being taken to jail, Paul and Silas, they could have been put in the room that had a window where they could see the sun. Maybe they could hear their friends' voices calling. You know, don't be... Don't be alarmed. We're doing something to help you or whatever. But no, they were taken into the very center where there was no hope, where there was no light, where there was no chance. You know, you, in your mind, you think a window, maybe God could do a miracle. The bars would fall out or something. and We'll climb out of there. But they were taken into the inner, like the place where there's no chance, right? That's where they were taken. And the jailer was commanded not to let them get away. Maybe this is talking about you. (laughs) Maybe you're in a place where there's no light, no hope, no possibility that you can see for you. Maybe that's where you're at. You made a sacrifice, and now you're in a place of hopelessness. Maybe you're saying, why did I do that? Why did I try to be nice? Why did I try to help? Why did I take a step of faith? What happens when we're in that place of hopelessness? What should we do? Let's look at verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. You know, in the middle of hopelessness, they allowed their faith to rise up. In the middle of hopelessness, they allowed their faith to rise up. You know what can rise up in the middle of hopelessness? Doubt, <laughs> fear, depression, worry. You know, every, you can think of all kinds of things that can rise up. But what did Paul and us allow to rise up in their life? Faith to rise up. They allowed worship to rise up. And so when faith rises up, two things happen. Number one, we are affected. We get affected. When our faith rises up, and and this is partly why God asks us to gather to worship, because in worship, our faith rises up. We start to declare who God is. He's the way maker, (laughs) miracle worker. When you start saying those things, it gets your mind and your eyes on who God is and what He can do, right? And so what happens is your own faith rises up. What's the other thing that can happen when we begin to worship or when our faith rises up is that others around us are affected. It's not just our own heart, our own outlook, our own optimism, our own look at the future, our own hope that changes. It's It's the others around us. You know your faith rising up can have an impact on the people that are around you. You know, just like your doubt and your fear can have an impact, your faith can have an impact on others. There was two shoe salesmen, and they were looking. They're sent by their boss to a new market for shoes, and they travel to a rural area of Africa. The first salesman sent a message back to his boss that night, and he said, this is a terrible opportunity. No one here wears shoes. (laughs) The second salesman sent a message back to his boss. Maybe you know where this is going. He said, this is a fantastic opportunity. Nobody here has shoes. (laughs) There's always two ways you can look at something. Which salesman are you? Where is your faith? Peter was walking one day, and a man who was unable to walk said, Can you spare some money for the poor? And Peter didn't have any money. But what he said was, Silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the man did. Let's not look at what, you know, we don't have Let's look at what we do have. And Peter taught us to look at our faith. What was the process for Paul and Silas to move from doubt and despair in that place of hopelessness to faith? Well, the process was worship. Worship is giving God the first And highest place in your life, despite your experience, despite your circumstance, despite your outlook on the future, despite the size of the mountain that you see in front of you, worship can become the first place and highest place in your life of worship of God. Worship is the decision that we make to declare who God is and to acknowledge His goodness despite how I feel right now worship is powerful when it's a sacrifice right so sometimes we come to we come to God in worship and we're declaring thankfulness we're declaring appreciation we're declaring love because God has been good to us but there's times when we come to God and we have not heard his voice and we feel and we're in a hopeless place when maybe we've the, the people around us have been pushing back against us. People we've sacrificed in a loving way for them pushed back against us. We feel a little bit like Paul and Silas stripped and then beaten and then brutally beaten. And we're just like, oh, and that's the opportunity that you have to offer to God in worship a sacrifice of worship. In verse 26, it says, and suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. You know, sometimes we can figure things out for ourselves. (laughs) We kind of help God out, you know what I'm saying? You know, we figure out the miracle God needs to work, and we kind of help him We kind of help them with it. But then there's times, there's times when God works it out for us. And this was a time for Paul and Silas. There was no hope. They were in that inner dungeon. There was no way they were going to get out of that in their own ideas, their own helping God. You know, your act of worship has the power to change your future. It does. But it also has the power to break the chains that are binding others. I don't know if you noticed that in this verse, but it says the chains fell off. Every prisoner. Every prisoner. Did you know When you offer to God a sacrifice of worship, it's not only going to impact your life, but it's going to impact the lives of the people around you. And this is why it's so important that we release people to worship God freely. You know, I just love, it excites me when I see you lifting your hands, when I see you moving your feet, when you're raising your hands when you're clapping when you get in the aisle when you start to move around I, it excites me i used to get hit on the head with with flagpoles we used to have flags around here and and people would swing those things and it would hit me you know and I, sometimes i say why do we have those things because when we release people to worship the Bible says chains can be broken off of people's lives. Sometimes it's not about you. You know, let's release people to worship God in the way that God's calling to. The They're coming to bring a sacrifice of worship. I, re- I want you to know I release you. <laughs> if you're at home in your living room, you know, watching this, I release you to worship God. Lift up a shout of worship to God. If you're in the auditorium here at the church, I release you to bring... Your worship to God, your sacrifice of worship to God, because your, it can affect your life, and it can affect the lives of other people. And I just want to say, I believe that God is calling people to worship. Not just to be on the worship team, but people that would come to church, not just come in and say, oh, here we are again, today. You know, I made it to this Sunday or whatever. But no, I am here because I'm offering up a sacrifice of worship to God. And it's going to have an impact on my future. And it's going to have an impact on the future of someone else. I don't know who it is. But I'm going to worship the God of heaven with all of my heart because I know it's going to make a difference. (laughs) And I get excited when I see people get released into worship. So when you, you just go for it. There's no, you know, as long as you're decent. Don't do it like David did and all that. You'll be okay. Right on. So let's, let's see the young children. Man, we were prophesying over someone last night. Their daughter is a dancer. That she would one day dance upon injustice when she moves her feet. That, that chains would get broken off people's lives. That situations would change and so on. That's a great, that's a great thing. Put that in your, in your heart and bring a... Uh, uh, sacrifice of worship number verse number 27 of chapter 16 says the jailer woke up to see all this chaos happening in his prison the doors are wide open and he assumed everybody had escaped so he drew his sword to kill himself and then paul says stop don't kill yourself we're all here you know just because god is good to you you know, God might do a miracle for you in your sacrifice of worship, in your, in your, in your love for him, and in your, in your, uh, and in your uh, following and obeying Jesus. God's going to do some really cool things. But I just want to just say, that doesn't give you a license to be a jerk to everybody else, right? Paul got a miracle, right? The, the, the chains came off. But he didn't just be a jerk, about it. What he did was he extended the same grace that God extended to him back to his own jailer, his own prisoner. He brought the very same love that God showed him, and he showed it to the person that was persecuting him. Our example Is Jesus. We follow Jesus. God is transforming us into the likeness of his son. I think Caitlin was bringing this scripture last week in Romans 8.29. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like who? Not Prime Minister Trudeau or anybody else. No, it's his son, Jesus. That's who God is transforming us to be. Now signs that God is transforming us into the image of his son. Number one. We're willing to suffer for others. (laughs) Isn't that exciting? (laughs) Preach it, Pastor Greg. I love that one. (laughs) I get to suffer for others. It's not that we, we have to. It's that we want to. When your heart starts to change in you, you'll know that God is transforming. You'll know it's not, I'm not doing this for a brownie point or, or whatever. I'm not doing this for an attaboy. No, I'm doing this for some ridiculous reason. God is changing my heart and putting a love that's sacrificial in me for others. And the number two, we actually begin to like loving others. You know, the way Jesus did. We actually become like Jesus and we love people unconditionally. People that can't give us anything in return. Maybe what they give us in return is a is a is a uh, snide remark or is a mistreatment, and you actually love them anyway. You know, our flesh reaction is to run when we're faced with opportunities to be like Jesus, to suffer, (laughs) to give up, to get make. Pay the price. Our flesh said, let's get out of here. <laughs> let's check out fast. <laughs> Maybe that's what you're thinking right now. Oh, boy. I hope I don't catch what Pastor Greg has got. Because <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> I don't want to be like that. But this is how Jesus was. You know, God is not asking you to fake the Christian life. What he's doing is he's empowering you For the life he's asking you to live. This is a powerful truth. Galatians 5.16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. It's all about letting the Holy Spirit guide us, fill us, lead us. Life of sacrifice can be empowering and rewarding because God is giving you his Holy Spirit. It It can actually be exciting. And uh, if you see someone that's filled with the Spirit, living a sacrificial life, you might look from the outside and say, I think that person's a little crazy. But if you start experiencing it, the power of the Holy Spirit operating in your life that's drawing you into that, that love and sacrifice, then you'll say, now I understand. And that's what God wants to give you. He doesn't want to ask you to do something you don't want to do. He wants to give you his Holy Spirit who will transform you to live the life that he's asked you to live. And you will be excited. If you feel robbed, then it's likely because you're living in your own strength. And I felt that, to be honest. Huh? I felt robbed before. And I don't want to go back there. I want to live in the power of the Spirit. So how do we do it? Galatians 5, 24 and 25 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So we say, you know what, flesh? You belong on the cross and we live by the Spirit and we keep in step with the Spirit. What will a Spirit-led life do? Number one, it'll turn doubt into faith. And we saw that how the jailer in the story, he said after uh, they stayed, he, the, his question was, what must I do to receive what you have? <laughs> that was, it turned doubt into faith. Number two, it transforms your tormentor into a lover. So the very thing that's tormenting you will begin to love you. You want to see the people that harass you The things in your life that torment you change, then begin to live a spirit-filled life. The jailer, it says, cared for them and washed their wounds. The very person that tormented them became their lover. Isn't that amazing? And then number three, a spirit-led life will bring heaven to households. It says in verse 34, of the jailer's house, they all believed in God. That's what can happen when you live a sacrificial life of love and worship to God. There's a song that says, Holy Spirit, lead us to the place where our trust is without borders. And you know what? That's where I want to (laughs) go. As a pastor, as a person, I want to go where I trust God's Spirit to lead me, even when it looks like it might cost me something. Let's stand up, and we're going to pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your example of love. But more than that, thank you for your Holy Spirit. So we just invite you, Holy Spirit. I just want to encourage you just to express, if you want to invite the Holy Spirit to begin to lead you in your life, I just invite, ask you to invite him. Lord, we just invite you. We invite your Holy Spirit to come into our lives. Lord, we don't want to live a life in the flesh, in our own efforts. Uh, We don't want to just make stuff up or try to do things or force things. But, Lord, we want to live in the power of your Spirit. So we just invite you, Holy Spirit. Come, sweet Spirit of God into our hearts, into our minds, into our thoughts. Lord, as we're in your word, Lord, we just pray, Holy Spirit, you'd just stir in us. Lord, as we see situations, Lord, where doubt would come or fear would come, Lord, we we just say, Holy Spirit, would you come to those situations and help us be great lovers as a church. Lord, great lovers of you and great lovers of others. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're transforming us. Thank you that you're changing us, and thank you that you're making us a beautiful aroma to God's heart, and Lord, that's what we want you to have. That's our worship. That's really our ultimate worship, that our lives would be a worship and an aroma that would please you, God. So we're asking you to come and fill us, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're here today listening to this message and you've never opened your heart to Jesus. I would love to just lead you in a prayer. If you're listening online, there's a button just below that that says, I want to I receive Christ or I want to receive Jesus. I just encourage you to click that. Someone will offer to pray with you and to lead you into finding hope and life in Jesus. But I just would like to lead you in a prayer. Uh, if you're just reaching out to Jesus. Lord Jesus, I just open my heart to you right now. I believe that you're here. I believe that you're just knocking at the door of my heart. So I'm just opening it up, Lord. Just come into my life. Come into my life. Lord, there's a mess in my heart. And I'm asking God, would you forgive me? Forgive the things in my life that that shouldn't be there. And I ask you, just remove them. And just bring... Bring godly order into my heart and into my life, into my thoughts. And, Lord, help me as I endeavor to follow you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I just love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I receive you right now. I receive your acceptance. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks for being here today.